Amen. Well, that was exciting. Uh, and yeah. so we continue to do, uh, we continue to be the church, really. And uh, that was just one more example. Uh, if you're watching and you're new to Hope, you may not recognize the gentleman next to me. Uh, it's not Pastor Rick. This is actually Pastor Dave Falcone. Sometimes they confuse the two. Um, but Pastor Dave has been a part of our staff for about 13 years and has two very important but very distinct jobs. He leads our youth ministry, our student ministries here at Hope, and he also oversees the operations. So Dave, uh, welcome. Um, for those who may not know you, why don't you share a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm really excited to be here with you this morning. Usually I'm doing behind the scenes stuff uh, for our weekend services, but um, as uh, Pastor Jeff mentioned, I'm Dave. Uh, my wife, Jackie, and my two kids, Adeline and Corinne, and I uh, live not too uh, far here uh, from here in Marlton. This is a picture of my family, uh, beautiful family, and me. And uh, uh, we're, we're excited uh, to be a part of this uh, community, this church family now since I think it was February 2006 was the first time I walked through the doors and I've, wear, I've worn a lot of hats over the years, but as uh, Jeff mentioned, currently youth ministry operations, and I enjoy it. I love it. Uh, it's been a great time. That's fantastic. So since we have you here, um, what are you guys thinking about in terms of youth ministry in the fall? Well, that's a great question. And, uh, and as, as you know, youth ministry brings about many challenges in this age of the pandemic. And, and we have middle schoolers and we have high schoolers uh, that are highly relational and that, uh, that desire and require to have those close relationships to help them grow in their faith. So as Ashley, uh, who, Ashley Black and I, uh, she is our coordinator of youth ministry, and, uh, and she and I have been in constant communication together, uh, constant conversation, discussing the challenge of how do we, how do we care for uh, middle schoolers and high schoolers in a way that uh, protects their physical health, but also provides uh, some spiritual growth. And we're trying to navigate that, trying to figure that out. Um, and so we, we haven't fully uh, decided what we're going to do, right. but uh, we are, uh, yesterday actually, we sent out a survey uh, to parents. So parents, uh, keep your eye out for that. If you haven't, we'll, we'll send that off a few other ways. But parents of middle schoolers and high schoolers, we would love your feedback in, in a way to help us uh, discover and, and navigate this together. Great. So uh, we're going to continue the series that we are in the midst of as we're looking at the book of James and the wisdom that we gain from that book. This morning, uh, we're going to be hearing from James that he has a big issue with one of the parts of the human body. And uh, so we're going to figure out why that is in just a moment. But um, as he opens up the third chapter... He writes this in uh, verse 1. He says, um, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should uh, become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. We who teach will be judged more strictly. Why is that, do you think? Why, why would James write that? And um, in a word, I would say it's because of influence. Teachers influence. 
They influence the way people think. They influence then uh, the way that people act, the way that we behave, the way that we react. Teachers are influencers. You know, I discovered this, Dave, um, when I was new in ministry. It was um, when I went to the uh, Haddonfield Methodist Church. I think it was the first week that I got to preach. And uh, after the service was over, a guy came up to me and said, hey, I've been wrestling with this uh, decision I have to make about whether or not to sell my house and move uh, out of the area. And, uh, you know, having heard your message, I've decided not to sell my house and I'm going to stay. And so I just wanted to say thanks for uh, a great message. And he walked away and I was stunned. I mean, I have no idea what I preached that day. What I do know is it had nothing to do with real estate or relocation. But what I came to understand in that moment, and I've carried it with me ever since, is this tremendous responsibility that um, through the spoken word, through preaching, um, we carry a great responsibility and influence. You know, uh, Jesus himself talked about this. Um, Jesus offered tremendous grace to all kinds of people, people who had various kinds of sin in their lives, prostitutes and tax collectors and skeptics and detractors. Um, Jesus offered them grace, but he was particularly harsh with the ones who he called the teachers of the law. And Jesus' issue with the teachers of the law was he was saying that many times they were leading people astray. They were misrepresenting who God was. They were laying heavy burdens on people that they themselves weren't picking up and carrying. And so Jesus um, understood the importance and uh, uh, the gravity, I guess, uh, of teaching. We understand that here as well. Um, Our preaching team, we have a team now, and we take the responsibility of preaching really seriously. We spend hours and hours and hours uh, each week and throughout the month crafting series and messages, studying and researching and discussing these messages um, because we understand the gravity um, of the teaching ministry and want to do it well. So James, uh, he's writing to his audience. He's writing to a specific group of people at a specific time. But here's the thing about Scripture. Scripture is inspired by God. The Holy Spirit was involved in the writing of these Scriptures that we have today. And so even though James is writing to a particular audience at a particular time, the Holy Spirit is inspiring him beyond that time. And uh, so this applies to all of us today. So in a way, we're all teachers, right? Uh, Even though you may not have a title of teacher, all of us are influencers. So if you're a parent, you're an influencer in your kids' lives. If you're a coach, you're an influencer. If you're a manager in your uh, uh, place of employment, wherever you might be, when you influence people, you're teaching them. Dave, I know that you guys, in working with uh, our students, are aware of that, um, both you and Ashley, but also in, uh, with the volunteers. Mm-hmm. And so I remember uh, you guys talking with volunteers about that and uh, specifically talking about social media. Yeah, I remember when, when I first started working here, social media really wasn't a thing. Yeah. And over the years, social media became important, and we had to have a conversation with our adult volunteer leaders and, and sit them down and say, hey, look, you need to be well aware 
of what you say and how you say it on, on avenues like social media. And our advice was really simple and kind of to the point, but it was, don't be stupid. Don't mm. be an idiot. I know it's blunt. I know uh, that it could you seem kind of harsh, <laughs> but it really got the message across because as, as leaders that we are in, in mentoring a group of middle schoolers and high schoolers, we need to be extra cautious because students are looking up to us. And if we are offensive, if we're vulgar, if we're spewing anger, then one of two things can happen. Either we lose credibility or worse, uh, we are leading them astray as they are following us down the wrong path. And, and we certainly don't want to see either of those two things happen. Right. Absolutely. So, uh James then, as he moves into verse 2, kind of pivots from talking to teachers to talking to everyone. And so as we pick up here in verse 2 of chapter 3, it says this, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. Whew. That's a relief. You know, actually, one of the things that almost kept me out of ministry was that verse one of, you know, being judged more strictly. Who wants to be judged more strictly? Um, but the recognition that we all make mistakes. So as seriously as we take uh, the teaching ministry, we recognize um, and are glad that uh, the Lord recognizes that we're imperfect. We all make mistakes. Um, and then he goes on and says this, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control uh, our lives in every other way. If we could control our tongue, we'd be perfect and control our lives in every other way. That's really fascinating, and I want you to hold that thought. We're going to come back to that idea um, and kind of unpack that, but I want you to hold on to that. We're going to leave that verse on the screen, um, uh, but then James goes on, and in the next 10 verses, he talks about the tongue, and he says, you know, even though it's this little appendage, it's this little thing in the body, it has big influence on where we go. It takes us uh, in different places. And so he then uses these descriptors. He said the tongue is like the bit in a horse's mouth, this little bit that can move this big horse and take it wherever it wants. He describes it as the rudder of a ship. Even though the rudder is a small thing, it sets the course for this big ship. He calls it a flamethrower. He calls it poison. I mean, talk about body shaming. You know? <laughs> He's got a real issue with the human tongue. He then goes on and says that this tongue of ours um, is untamable. He says, you know, we can tame wild animals, but we cannot tame the tongue. So we've got this this problem, uh, James is saying, that we need to control our tongue. We need to control what we say, but we can't do it. If we could, we'd be perfect, but we can't do it. And so we have this dilemma that James has set up. And so in, an, in a real way, what James is saying is that the tongue is hardwired to the heart. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think James's brother, Jesus, uh, can, 
shine a little bit of light on this uh, for us. And in uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, and we'll uh, pull that up here on the screen, uh, Jesus says these words. He says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And then evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That's, that's rough, right? But the, the question then is, why can't we tame our tongue? Because simply the, the tongue speaks only what the heart wants it to speak. And the great illustration that I can give you for this is picture this. Your tongue is like a musical instrument, but your heart is the musician. So the instrument only makes the sounds that the musician plays. So it can be really beautiful. So I picture in my head Susie playing on the piano, <laughs> the delicately touching the ivory keys, and, and, and you know the grand piano making these beautiful, uh, amazing sounds coming out of it. Yeah. You know That is the musician using the instrument for a great, uh, fantastic way. Now, on the flip side, if I were to go crawling behind uh, that same instrument and take my stubby fingers and pound away at the keys, it would come off very harsh because I am not a talented musician. But a good musician can take the instrument and make a beautiful sound, whereas a bad musician can you know, produce some pretty awful music. The same thing is true in our lives. When, when my character is good, my tongue makes good positive sounds. But when my character is flawed, it makes poor sounds. It makes harsh sounds. So the reason it's so hard for us to tame our tongues, even if we're a quote-unquote good person, it's really, it comes down to the fact that we have a sin nature. And Paul writes a letter to the Roman church uh, back, in the early, uh, uh, back in the early days. And in that letter, in chapter 3 of his letter, he says this, For all have sinned. Now, he doesn't say for most. He doesn't say for some. He says, For all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. Wow, we've all sinned. We all fall short. And this right there gives us insight that the Holy Spirit then steps in because it's the transforming work of the Holy Spirit on our character that affects our mindset. And in turn, it's reflected then in our language. It's a heart issue. It's not a tongue issue. It's not a word issue. It's a heart issue. You see, out of the fullness of our heart, that's where the mouth speaks. Out of the fullness of our heart is where the mouth speaks. And that's why over all of these years in, in youth ministry, that our focus has been on heart transformation, not behavior modification. Because mm -hmm. we, we have students that walk in the door for the very first time and, and they can say some interesting things. But we're not quick to force them to change their words because we know that their words are really only a reflection of what's inside of them. So our goal is to change their heart. Well, really allow God to change their heart. But that's the goal. And once we know that that change happens, then we'll see the change coming out of their mouth as well. 
And really for me, Jeff, this was a big issue for me growing up. And, uh, and it started very, very early on and something that I had to learn along the way. In fact, it started for me in, in second grade. Now, my youngest, uh, Corinne, is in second grade, and I can only imagine this story being for this sweet little innocent mm. seven-year-old. But in second grade, I had a kid in my class. His name was Danny. Danny was the first one to teach me the F word. Now, imagine a second grader using the F word. Now, that was only the first straw for me, and it was really all downhill from there. The foul language, the negativity, the spewing hatred, and, and mean things that came out of my mouth. And I was really good at covering that up at home and when I was at church, but something happened when I uh, was going into sixth grade at camp that summer. I met Jesus for the first time. And I continually tried to clean up my language after that because after meeting Jesus, I recognized that my language shouldn't be like that if Jesus was going to be a part of my life. So for every year, every summer after that point, I would commit to cleaning up my language. And every summer, I would come home and I would fail at that. And it wasn't until the summer before my senior year in high school, I finally discovered that it was, it was not a word choice that I was failing with. It was a character choice I had an issue with. And that's when the change in my heart happened. You see, the Holy Spirit came into my life that one summer evening, calling me to something more. And I'll, I will never forget that, that night for as, as long as I'll live. The Holy Spirit spoke deep into my heart and said, I'm calling you to a higher purpose. I'm calling you to something different, a different life. And I'm calling you to, to being holy because Jesus is holy and Jesus calls us to holiness. And that for me is when things really began to change and my heart issues were addressed and my words then began to reflect the change that had occurred, uh, that had occurred in my life. And Jeff, you know what's crazy is that my friends actually then began to notice a change in me, not just because of the specific uh, lack of four-letter words, but they noticed that my life was different. So is that your call into ministry? No, uh, crazy enough, uh, my call into ministry came later, another story for another time. Yeah, yeah. so that's the, that's the power of the Holy Spirit, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes we, um, as Christians, think that uh, our goal or, or the idea of being a Christian is that we only say nice things to people, which isn't true. Jesus said harsh things at times to people. It's not just about saying nice things or that it's all about not saying bad words and, and that's the idea. We're not trying to transform the instrument. We're trying to have God transform the instrumentalist that character, our heart. So as Dave was saying, the work of the Holy Spirit going on in us, reforming and transforming, the way we talk about it here at Hope, as if you've been around, you know that we are in this process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. And so that Holy Spirit is working within us, working that transformation that then begins to influence those words that come out of our mouth, and they become words of life, words of truth, words of wisdom. 
You know, in uh, Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writes about as the Holy Spirit is working in your life, it's producing what he called fruit in your life. And one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. And so as that Spirit is working in you, now we have this kind of built-in Holy Spirit governor, if you will, so that um, even if some bad thought comes uh, in my mind and so forth, it isn't necessarily coming out of my mouth. It is this self-control that the Holy Spirit is building in us. It's transforming the instrumentalist, not just the instrument. Yeah, it's almost like the Holy Spirit gives us greater mastery over our instrument. Yeah. And then really, the question then uh, it, it begs asking is, what do we do with all of this that we talked about? Yeah. And, and I think it boils down to a simple challenge, and you and I have talked about this, Jeff, that, that this is the challenge we want to encourage you, the, the worshiper out there this week. Take one day, 20 to 30 minutes at the end of your day, and, and review a conversation that you've had earlier in that day. If you had a tough conversation, that's probably the conversation you want to start with. But uh, if not, you know, think back to another conversation, not a lighthearted conversation about how baseball is probably over as we know it, um, but something, you know, more serious, more in-depth. And, and then ask yourself two questions. The first question, did your words reflect your faith in Jesus? Did your words reflect your faith in Jesus? And then ask the second question, what did the conversation reveal about the condition of your heart or your character? So what did the conversation reveal about the condition of your heart or your character? And as you're taking on that challenge, and I hope you do, I hope you make uh, an effort to take on that challenge, and we'll put those questions in the dialogue box uh, uh, on our platform. I would encourage you, before you kind of uh, ask those questions that you Settle your heart, settle, settle your spirit, and I would begin by praying a prayer that David prayed. He wrote this prayer down. It's at the end of Psalm 139, David wrote these words, or, or, or prayed these words, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You hear what he's praying there? Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way, offensive to you, God. So as you're preparing to think about that conversation, you're not judging how the other person talked to you and the things that they did and so on and so forth. You're really doing this as your own work, your own internal work of the Holy Spirit. Lord, search my heart. Test my mind. See if there's any offensive way in me. And then, Lord, lead me in the way everlasting, which is the way of wisdom. God's wisdom is everlasting. And that's our desire, that we would be led in the way of wisdom. I hope you'll take on that challenge. So let's pray together as we close out our time. And so, Lord, we recognize that the tongue is hardwired to our heart. And that when we're saying things that are offensive and hurtful and tearing people down, um, that that's really, Lord, just an insight into the condition 
of our own heart. And Lord, when we're speaking words of praise and affirmation and when we're encouraging people and, and challenging people uh, in ways uh, of wisdom, that that's a reflection of our heart as, as well. And so God, I do pray that you would search our hearts, test our anxious thoughts, point out to us any offensive ways in us. And Lord, that you would lead us in the ways of wisdom. For we ask it in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hey, have a great week, friends.